0: quiet bedtime stories to help you fall asleep. This week was all about compassion and acceptance for me. I decided to be a little bit more compassionate towards myself and do some things that were good for me. And one of those was taking a class with Dr. Gabor Mate online. If you don't know anything about his work, he deals mostly with trauma and its effects on our lives. And one of the things he talked about in the class I took was his philosophy of compassionate inquiry as a way to explore our own trauma and to heal from it well it also tied in really well with a show that joe and i watched this week called scenes from a marriage if you haven't seen it it's on hbo it's incredible i was completely blown away by the performances and it's just so well written directed it's a beautiful piece of work it, too, was all about people dealing with their past trauma and bringing it to their present. And it was so interesting to have both these things come in the same week and realize how important compassion and acceptance are in our lives. I wrote a little bit about it on the blog this week. I also posted a picture of Bodie, Joe, Ninja and I sitting on the couch, getting ready to watch scenes from a marriage. I fear sometimes that I post so many beautiful pictures up here and tell so many stories that maybe make it sound like it's a little more perfect than it is. And while there are so many perfect moments here, and this is my favorite place where I live with some of my favorite people and animals, we have hard days and struggle sometimes too. And like many of you, we'll spend evenings on the couch just snuggled together, watching a good TV show. If you care to see the picture and read a little bit about my thoughts on all this, it's on the blog this week at listentosleep.com, and there's a link in the show notes. I want to give a shout out to the many folks who supported the Patreon this week. Thank you so much. Iman, Pam, Amanda, Carol, Suzanne, Harry, Rebecca, Anne, Marianne, Kylie and Lindsay, Amy, Taya, Jessica, MG, and Nicole. I have to say, I'm a little blown away by how many people joined the Patreon this week. And I'm so thankful to all of you for helping me get closer to my goal of a thousand patrons so that I can have Listen to Sleep be my full-time endeavor. You can join the Patreon for less than a dollar a month, and for that, you get the podcast a day early without any ads or introductions. It's great for if you want to listen more than once, and it really does help to support my dream of being your full-time bedtime storyteller for a living. Another thing you can do to support the podcast is leave a review where you listen. Apple Podcasts especially helps because it helps other people find the podcast so they can get better sleep too. You can get more information about all of this on the website at listentosleep.com. I was chatting with a listener named Rebecca on Twitter this week who told me how much she likes the stories by Katherine Mansfield. So I found another great story by her for tonight's episode. Now, I don't know how you're listening to this podcast. Maybe you're wearing some painful earbuds, which will be lost in your bed come morning, or maybe through a little speaker on the bedside table, keeping the whole house awake. Or maybe you're just playing it through your phone. But none of these were ever designed for bedtime. Now, just imagine for a second you're snuggled up in bed, totally relaxed, your ear nuzzled deep into your comfy pillow, and my voice is magically playing back to you. No painful earbuds, no tangled wires, just total comfort and the sound you love. Well, imagine no more, because this is exactly what today's sponsor is here to help with. The Sleep Bar is an advanced under-pillow speaker that turns your pillow into the comfiest earphone ever. With a customizable shutdown timer, a huge battery that lasts multiple nights, and bone conduction audio that won't wake your partner. It's got everything you need to transform your bedtime listening, and they've given our listeners a limited number of 20% off codes. Simply head to dusker.com, that's D U S K E R.com, and enter the code. LTS 20 to claim yours. Let's take a deep breath in and out. Letting go of the day, letting yourself sink down into the mattress, the weight of gravity pulling you down. Let's take another deep breath in, and out. Nothing to do, nowhere to go. This is your time, quiet time. One more deep breath in, and out. If you start to fall asleep while I'm reading, that's okay. Just let yourself drift off. Her First Ball Exactly when the ball began, Layla would have found it hard to say. Perhaps her first real partner was the cab did not matter that she shared the cab with the Sheridan girls and their brother. She sat back in her own little corner of it, and the bolster on which she rested her hand felt like the sleeve of an unknown young man's dress suit. And away they bowled, past waltzing lampposts and houses and fences And trees. Have you really never been to a ball before, Layla? But my child, how too weird! cried the Sheridan girls. Our nearest neighbor was fifteen miles, said Layla softly, gently opening and shutting her fan. Oh dear. How hard it was to be indifferent, like the others. She tried not to smile too much. She tried not to care. But every single thing was so new and exciting. Meg's tuberoses, Josie's long loop of amber. Laura's little dark head pushing above her white fur like a flower through snow. She would remember forever. It even gave her a pang to see her cousin Laurie throw away the wisps of tissue paper he pulled from the fastenings of his new gloves. She would have liked to have kept those wisps as a keepsake, as a remembrance. Lori leaned forward and put his hand on Laura's knee. Look here, darling, he said. The third and the ninth as usual. Twig? Oh, how marvelous to have a brother. In her excitement, Layla felt that if there had been time, if it hadn't been impossible, she couldn't have helped crying because she was an only child. And no brother had ever said, Twig, to her. No sister would ever say, as Meg said to Josie that moment, I have never known your hair go up more successfully than it has tonight. But of course, There was no time. They were at the drill hall already. There were cabs in front of them and cabs behind. The road was bright on either side, with moving fan-like lights. And on the pavement, gay couples seemed to float through the air. Little satin shoes chased each other like birds. Hold on to me, Layla, you'll get lost, said Laura. Come on, girls, let's make a dash for it, said Laurie. Layla put two fingers on Laura's pink velvet cloak, and they were somehow lifted past the big golden lantern, carried along the passage, and pushed into the little room marked Ladies. Here, the crowd was so great, there was hardly space to take off their things. The noise was deafening. Two benches on either side were stacked high with wraps. Two old women in white aprons ran up and down, tossing fresh armfuls. And everybody was pressing forward trying to get at the little dressing table and mirror at the far end. A great, quivering jet of gas lighted the ladies' room. It couldn't wait. It was dancing already. When the door opened again, and there came a burst of tuning from the drill hall, it leaped almost to the ceiling. Dark girls, Fair girls were patting their hair, tying ribbons again, tucking handkerchiefs down the fronts of their bodices, smoothing marble white gloves. And because they were all laughing, it seemed to Layla that they were all lovely. Aren't there any invisible hairpins, cried a voice, How most extraordinary. I can't see a single invisible hairpin. Powder my back, there's a darling, cried someone else. But I must have a needle and cotton. I've torn simply miles and miles of the frill, wailed a third. Then, pass them along. Pass them along. The straw basket of programs was tossed from arm to arm. Darling little pink and silver programs, with pink pencils and fluffy tassels. Layla's fingers shook as she took one out of the basket. She wanted to ask someone, am I meant to have one too? She had just time to read, Waltz Three, Two Two in a Canoe, Polka Four, Making the Feathers Fly, when Meg cried, Ready, Layla? And they pressed their way through the crush in the passage towards the big double doors of the drill hall. Dancing had not begun yet, but the band had stopped tuning. And the noise was so great, it seemed that when it did begin to play, it would never be heard. Layla, pressing close to Meg, looking over Meg's shoulder, felt that even the little quivering colored flags strung across the ceiling were talking. She quite forgot to be shy. She forgot how, in the middle of dressing, she had sat down on the bed with one shoe off and one shoe on and begged her mother to ring up her cousins and say she couldn't go after all. And the rush of longing she had had to be sitting on the veranda of their forsaken upcountry home, listening to the baby owls crying, poor, in the moonlight, was changed to a rush of joy so sweet that it was hard to bear alone. She clutched her fan and gazing at the gleaming golden floor, the azaleas, the lanterns, the stage at one end with its red carpet and gilt chairs and the band in a corner, She thought breathlessly, how heavenly, how simply heavenly. All the girls stood grouped together at one side of the doors, the men at the other, and the chaperones in dark dresses, smiling rather foolishly, walked with little careful steps over the polished floor towards the stage. This is my little country cousin, Layla. Be nice to her. Find her partners. She's under my wing, said Meg, going up to one girl after another. Strange faces smiled at Layla. Sweetly, vaguely. Strange voices answered, of course, my dear. But- Layla felt the girls didn't really see her. They were looking towards the men. Why didn't the men begin? What were they waiting for? There they stood, smoothing their gloves, patting their glossy hair, and smiling among themselves. Then, quite suddenly, As if they had only just made up their minds that that was what they had to do, the men came gliding over the parquet. There was a joyful flutter among the girls. A tall, fair man flew up to Meg, seized her program, scribbled something. Meg passed him on to Layla. May I have the pleasure- He ducked and smiled. There came a dark man wearing an eyeglass. Then, cousin Lori with a friend. And Laura with a little freckled fellow whose tie was crooked. Then, quite an old man, fat with a big bald patch on his head, took her program and murmured, let me see, let me see. And he was a long time comparing his program, which looked black with names, with hers. It seemed to give him so much trouble that Layla was ashamed. Oh, please, don't bother, she said eagerly. But instead of replying, the fat man wrote something, glanced at her again. Do I remember this Bright little face, he said softly. Is it known to me of yore? At that moment, the band began playing. The fat man disappeared. He was tossed away on a great wave of music that came flying over the gleaming floor. Breaking the groups up into couples, scattering them sending them spinning. Layla had learned to dance at boarding school. Every Saturday afternoon, the boarders were hurried off to a little corrugated iron mission hall, where Miss Eccles of London held her select class. But the difference between that dusty-smelling hall with calico texts on the walls. The poor, terrified little woman in a brown velvet toque with rabbit's ears thumping the cold piano. Miss Eccles poking the girl's feet with her long white wand. And this was so tremendous that Layla was sure if her partner didn't come, And she had to listen to that marvelous music and to watch the others sliding, gliding over the golden floor. She would die at least, or faint, or lift her arms and fly out of one of those dark windows that showed the stars. Ours, I think. Someone bowed, smiled, and offered her his arm. She hadn't to die after all. Someone's hand pressed her waist, and she floated away like a flower that is tossed into a pool. Quite a good floor, isn't it? Drawled a faint voice close to her ear. I think it's most beautifully slippery, said Layla. Pardon? The faint voice sounded surprised. Layla said it again. And there was a tiny pause before the voice echoed. Oh, quite. And she was swung round again. He steered so beautifully. That was the great difference between dancing with girls and men, Layla decided. Girls banged into each other and stamped on each other's feet the girl who was gentleman always clutched you so the azaleas were separate flowers no longer they were pink and white flags streaming by were you at the bells last week the voice came again it sounded tired Layla wondered whether she ought to ask him if he would like to stop. No, this is my first dance, said she. Her partner gave a little gasping laugh. I say, he protested. Yes, it is really the first dance I've ever been to. Layla was most fervent. It was such a relief, to be able to tell somebody. You see, I've lived in the country all my life up till now. At that moment, the music stopped, and they went to sit on two chairs against the wall. Layla tucked her pink satin feet under and fanned herself, while she blissfully watched the other couples passing and disappearing through the swing doors. Enjoying yourself, Layla? Asked Josie, nodding her golden head. Laura passed and gave her the faintest little wink. It made Layla wonder for a moment whether she was quite grown up after all. Certainly, her partner did not say very much. He coughed, tucked his handkerchief away, pulled down his waistcoat, took a minute thread off his sleeve. But it didn't matter. Almost immediately, the band started, and her second partner seemed to spring from the ceiling. Floor's not bad, said the new voice. Did one always begin with the floor? And then, were you at the Neves on Tuesday? And again, Layla explained. Perhaps it was a little strange that her partners were not more interested. For it was thrilling. Her first ball. She was only at the beginning of everything. It seemed to her That she had never known what the night was like before. Up until now, it had been dark, silent, beautiful very often, oh yes, but mournful somehow, solemn. And now, it would never be like that again. It had opened dazzling bright. Care for an ice, said her partner, and they went through the swing doors, down the passage to the supper room. Her cheeks burned. She was fearfully thirsty. How sweet the ices looked on little glass plates, and how cold the frosted spoon was, iced too. And when they came back to the hall, there was the fat man waiting for her by the door. It gave her quite a shock again to see how old he was. He ought to have been on the stage with the fathers and mothers. And when Layla compared him with her other partners, he looked shabby. His waistcoat was creased. There was a button off his glove, His coat looked as if it was dusty with French chalk. Come along, little lady, said the fat man. He scarcely troubled to clasp her. And then they moved away so gently. It was more like walking than dancing. But he said not a word about the floor. Your first dance, isn't it? He murmured. How did you know? Ah, said the fat man, that's what it is to be old. He wheezed faintly as he steered her past an awkward couple. You see, I've been doing this kind of thing for the last 30 years. 30 years, cried Layla. 12 years before she was born. It Hardly bears thinking about, does it, said the fat man gloomily. Layla looked at his bald head, and she felt quite sorry for him. I think it's marvelous to be still going on, she said kindly. Kind little lady, said the fat man. And he pressed her a little closer and hummed a bar of the waltz. Of course, he said, you can't hope to last anything like as long as that. No, said the fat man. Long before that, you'll be sitting up there on the stage, looking on, in your nice black velvet. And these pretty arms will have turned into little short fat ones, and you'll beat time with such a different kind of fan, a black, bony one. The fat man seemed to shudder. And you'll smile away like the poor old deers up there, and point to your daughter, and tell the elderly lady next to you how some dreadful man tried to kiss her at the club ball. And your heart will ache. Ache. The fat man squeezed her closer still, as if he was really sorry for that poor heart. Because no one wants to kiss you now, and you'll say how unpleasant these polished floors are to walk on, how dangerous they are. Eh, hey, Mademoiselle Twinkletoes? said the fat man softly. Layla. Gave a light little laugh, but she did not feel like laughing. Was it, could it all be true? It sounded terribly true. Was this first ball only the beginning of her last ball, after all? At that, the music seemed to change. It sounded sad. Sad, it rose upon a great sigh. Oh, how quickly things changed. Why didn't happiness last forever? Forever wasn't a bit too long. I want to stop, she said in a breathless voice. The fat man led her to the door. No, she said. I won't go outside. I won't sit down. I'll just stand here, thank you. She leaned against the wall, tapping with her foot, pulling up her gloves, and trying to smile. But deep inside her, a little girl threw her pinafore over her head and sobbed. Why had he spoiled it all? I say, you know, said the fat man, you mustn't take me seriously, little lady. As if I should, said Layla, tossing her small, dark head and sucking her under lip. Again, the couples paraded. The swing doors opened and shut. Now, new music was given out by the bandmaster. But Layla didn't want to dance any more. She wanted to be home or sitting on the veranda listening to those baby owls. When she looked through the dark windows at the stars, they had long beams like wings. But presently a soft, melting, ravishing tune began, and a young man with curly hair bowed before her. She would have to dance, out of politeness, until she could find Meg. Very stiffly, she walked into the middle. Very haughtily, she put her hand on his sleeve. But, in one minute, in one turn, her feet glided, glided. The lights the azaleas, the dresses, the pink faces, the velvet chairs. The sweet faces, the velvet chairs, all became one beautiful flying wheel. And when her next partner bumped her into the fat man and he said, pardon, she smiled at him more radiantly than ever. She didn't even recognize him again. Good night.